This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. This is the Learn Jazz Standards Podcast, episode 113. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? My name is Brent. I am the jazz musician behind the website LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog and a podcast all geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. I want to thank you so much for being here. Welcome. If it's your first time ever listening or if you're a regular listener, I really do appreciate it. I'm so excited to serve you today. And oh, man, guys, I... uh, I've got a serious head cold going on today, so I apologize for uh, my voice. I'm not sure if it's coming through on the mic. Uh, I had to, oh, I had to cancel my gig last night because, uh, well, I didn't cancel. I found a sub because I was just like, oh, I, I'm, I'm not feeling well. <laughs> it's not gonna, it's gonna get so much worse if I go out. So uh, that sucked. I'm having a sucky week, but you know what? You know, things could always be worse. So uh, you know, I'm thankful for for everything, and uh, hopefully, I'll feel better soon. But the show must go on, right? I mean, the show's got to keep going on, and so I'm here to deliver this podcast episode to you uh, for what I think is a great, important topic for today's episode 113, which is all about how playalongs, backing tracks, could be damaging or hurting your jazz playing. Now, I know that uh, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you're familiar with LearnJazzStandards.com, uh, what, what we do, um, you know that we have a YouTube channel that has hundreds of jazz playalongs and backing tracks on them. And you're probably thinking right now, well, Brett, what are you talking about? I mean, don't you have like a lot of uh, jazz standard playalongs out there and uh, all this stuff? And, you know, why, why, are you t- why are you telling me that maybe I shouldn't be doing it? Um, I know that sounds kind of weird, but I think it's important, even more important, because uh, that platform accidentally, by the way, blew up, that I do hone in on what the purpose of using jazz playalongs for practicing are when they should be used and when they shouldn't be used. I think that's really important for me to hone in on with all of you guys, because I do think there is a time and a place for them. I would never say that they are bad, and if, if you go around looking online you'll see a lot of notable jazz musicians or jazz educators um, kind of coming to the same conclusion, you know, saying that they're they're not bad, but they 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 can be used in the wrong way. Then again, there's also others that uh, totally would disagree. So it's a little bit of opinionated episode, uh, but bear with me uh, and uh, let's you know let's let's unpack this together. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to say I haven't said in a while that or earlier on in this month we came out with uh, the brand new ebook and companion course, the Jazz Standards Playbook, which. It's exploding, and I'm just so excited because 
so many people are getting their hands on this ebook and and getting into this companion course. And I'm just already hearing stories about how it's completely uh, transforming their understanding and really improving their jazz playing in general. Uh, and that excites that really excites me. It makes all the work that I did so worth it. So um, thanks to everybody who's uh, just taken part in that. And if you have not gotten that ebook or joined that companion course yet, go to thejazzstandardsplaybook.com. You can check it out there, thejazzstandardsplaybook.com. Okay, that's all for that. Uh, Let's jump into today's show. So as I was mentioning earlier on Learn Jazz Standards, uh, a long time ago, like in the early days of Learn Jazz Standards existence, the website, uh, we decided in the, the original website, by the way, in case you're not familiar, maybe you weren't, if you haven't been following with us from the very beginning, or maybe you plopped in somewhere in the middle, or maybe you're brand new, um, the website was a lot different than it is now. Uh, it, it used to be really the only thing that was really there was it was just kind of a resource for learning jazz standards. Hence that's why it's it's called LearnJazzStandards.com. Uh, it was just a place for uh, if you wanted to learn a particular tune. Our goal was to try to just have a resource for like an all-encompassing resource for that. So there'd be chord charts. I mean, it still exists today. It's still an important part of the website, um, but it's by no means like the main focus. Um, but you know, there was a there's a bio there's a of the tunes so you can understand what it was all about. There was popular recordings uh, for it. There's chord charts so that people can you know they can cross reference hearing them by ear and then trying to figure out the, them out and you know all the resources you would need. And then we decided um, to start making backing tracks because because we thought well hey that that'd be a great resource to add for especially people that uh, just don't have access to playing with other musicians. So we started building uh, these backing tracks on a really cool piece of software, which I, I still love today and I still promote it, uh, which is Band in a Box. Uh, Band in a Box, basically it's a software, you know, you can use the real samples of musicians uh, who are have been recorded, studio recorded, um, and then there are software algorithms like put it together whenever you, you can type in chord changes into the software. It's really cool. Um, anyways, we started just making them because that, that was cheap, easy. It was a, for a way for us to serve our audience better. And we put them up onto YouTube and embedded them in, onto our website. Well, um, it was a complete accident. You know, it wasn't supposed to be a very important part of the website or what we were trying to do. But that YouTube channel just started growing like crazy because apparently people love jazz play-alongs. And if you're listening, I, I guarantee you there are a lot of people listening today that... Uh, have used those horrible looking videos that look like they're uh, from the ancient times of the internet (laughs) with our first original logo and it's this green background. It's horrible, but they are there forever now. (laughs) Um, But yeah, we got like, to date, I think we have 85,000 subscribers on YouTube uh, because uh, mostly because of that. Now we come out with um, jazz tutorial videos every single week. Um, We also post the podcast on YouTube. So if you're not subscribed to YouTube, Definitely check that out because we are serving up a lot more than just that these days. That's youtube.com forward slash learn jazz standards. Um, but okay, all this long story, all this talking, these shenanigans right now to say that uh, we have inadvertently become uh, 
a platform that is known for its play-alongs, okay? And that was not intended to happen. Um, they were intended to be a tool that our subscribers were using uh, just to just to help everything else that we were giving, okay? Um, so it's great. I'm really happy that so many people are using those, that they're getting a lot of uh, a help out of those play-alongs. But I think, like I said earlier, that's why it's especially important for me to talk about um, when it could actually be a detriment to use these playlongs. So when you you should be using them and when you shouldn't be using them because they are simply a tool that you can use. They are not something that you should use as a crutch. More on that in a second. But I think the first thing, and I know this is kind of a little bit of a negative episode, so uh, I usually do very positive episodes. I'm not, by the way, if you've been listening to me for a while, I am the opposite of a jazz snob. I'm not one of those people that says, you can't use technology, you can't do things this way or that way, you have to do it this way. I'm totally not that guy at all. But I do think there is a time and place for these play-alongs. So I think, um, to let's start with some of the negative stuff here. We'll get to the positive, don't worry. But let me go over three pitfalls that I think can occur when using play-alongs. Things that play-alongs just can't quite do and could possibly train you in the wrong way. So number one is there's no interaction when you have a play along, okay? Uh, jazz is all about interaction. You know, interacting, if you're a soloist, you're interacting with the rhythm section. If you're a rhythm section, you're interacting with the soloist. That's what jazz music is all about. It's improvised music, it's uh, art music, and so it's all about that spirit, but when you have a play along, you're practicing with a play along, that just simply can't happen. Whether it's Jamie Abersol play alongs, um, who are, which are recorded with professional musicians, or our Learn Jazz Standards play along, which are also professional musicians, but it's even more static than that because they are uh, programmed. You know, it's 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 real professional musicians, but they're programmed together. Um, which I mean, it sounds very real, but. Um, you know, it, they're not actually playing live. So there's no interaction. So no one can feed off of you. You can't feed into them. Um, and then some of the Jamie Abersol recordings, they are, in fact, uh, responding to an actual soloist. Like, I, I, I could be wrong, but I think when he had those recorded, um, there was a soloist playing and the rhythm section was responding to that soloist. But that also, in a way, makes it worse, right? Because then they might be doing, they're responding to the solos in a, in, in a way that you're not actually playing. So it just, it, you know, it can be weird. You know, there's no interaction. There's a lack of creativity. Now, the second pitfall is uh, it kind of trains you to practice robotically. So if you have the same track, five, six minute track, you're playing along with to a jazz standard, it can kind of train you to expect everything that's in that track. Like you just kind of... uh become static, robotic with how that's played, right? Uh, and, and that's not how jazz is. Like I said, going back to point number one, it's all about interaction and feeding off of each other and playing with each other. And what it could possibly do if you're just only using play-alongs to practice all the time, uh, it could train you to, when you get into an actual gig, jam session, or playing situation, if the drummer plays something you're not expecting or the bass player, or something happens that you're not expecting in a real playing environment, if you're trained uh, by play-alongs, that can be a big detriment. You're not used to that. And you, you, know, you, can't, uh, you can't respond properly because you're only using play-alongs to practice. Okay, So it's this robotic form of practicing. Now, the third thing, which kind of you know, segues into this, is it doesn't help you build a time feel. 
Um, at least not a strong one, right? Because again, everything's static. Um, there's no interaction. Um, it's, it's a robotic way of practicing. So you're not really able to build up this time feel. You're relying on this rhythm section that's feeding you everything, which again, in a real playing situation, that's not always what happens. You know, a lot of people, they get lost in a drum solo, understandably. Well, part of being able to not get lost in a drum solo is having a real strong time feel, a real strong knowledge of the melody, right? Or maybe uh, the bass player starts doing something that you don't expect that's off time from what you're doing. Well, you have to have that inner time built inside of you. And playing with a play along doesn't train you to do that at all. Um, Another situation could be, um, especially with those band in a box play alongs that we have on Learn Jazz Standards is those are perfectly in time. The Jamie Abersalds ones, they actually speed up a lot if you listen to some of them. Um, so, you know, they don't always stay at a consistent time, but especially the ones that we have, they are always at the exact BPM we have set them to be. So like 145 BPM, that's what it's going to be at all times. Well, in jazz, that's not how it works. You know, Sometimes we're slowing down, sometimes we're speeding up, and there's always this constant battle. I mean, hopefully not if you're playing with a bunch of musicians with great ears, but it can be a battle to find the time. So one musician might rush a little bit, one musician might drag a little bit, and you got to figure out where that is and work together to find that tempo. So obviously, play-alongs, um, whether it's uh, Jamie Abersold or whether it's a Learn Jazz Standards play-along, it, it doesn't train you to do that, okay? It doesn't train you to feed into that. Okay, so those are the main pitfalls that I've noticed. Um, so again, I'll go over them really quick. There's no interaction. So there's this lack of creativity that's going on. Uh, it's robotic practicing. The tracks are the same all the time. Uh, you can like, know what to expect. Uh, and then number three, it doesn't help you build that time feel, okay? It doesn't help you build a time feel. Uh, that, those are the pitfalls. So again, I'm starting with the negative here. Uh, let me go on to the next thing I want to say. Um, let's, uh, let's start with the negative on this again, too. We'll get to the positive. I promise. I promise. I'm going to go over three things, three situations when not to use play alongs to practice. Okay. Cause like I said before, there is a time and a place, but what are three scenarios where you shouldn't use play alongs? Let me go over those right now. Number one is don't use a play along to learn a song. Don't use it to learn a song as an initial resource by any means. Don't use it to learn the chord changes. You shouldn't be doing that. You should be using a, a, a recording, uh, lots of recordings of different jazz artists who are playing that song and try to get the changes from that. You don't want to be using a play along for that. That's not the right way. Uh, also, as far as playing the melody, if you're learning the melody, the first place to go is not a play along to play that melody over top of the changes. At least I don't believe you should. I think the first place to go is to go to a recording that you learned the melody from, play that melody along, and then after that, go to a metronome because then you're training yourself to play uh, in time that melody without the backing, without all that stuff, okay? So I do not believe that that backing tracks are a good tool for learning songs. I believe they can be used to practice it later, but not for learning. So that's number one, to learn a song that's when not to use a play along. Number two, uh, it goes along with that, and that is when learning jazz language, okay? Now, I, I've i seen this a lot. I've seen a lot of these comments on the YouTube channel. Um, I've gotten emails from people, and, and I'm not 
I'm not I'm not saying this to make any of them feel bad right now or I mean none of that stuff like I'm not not being negative or bashing on anybody here but I've heard people say like oh man I I want to transcribe the baseline in that play along or I want to um you know learn how to the voicings for the piano player is playing um and again especially in the, the learn jazz standards ones since they are made in band in a box while they are professional musicians they're still programmed and even in abersold ones um again this it's the context you, it's not in context right they're not the best places to go the best places to go again is to recordings of actual musicians that are playing them that's not to say if you don't hear something really hip in one of them that you just oh don't absolutely you absolutely can't do that right um but i wouldn't say that they're the first place you should go to learn jazz language like i wouldn't go and buy a play along album um just to learn how to play the chords or the, the again it goes back to learning a song i wouldn't use them as a primary resource to do that use recordings if you want to learn bass lines start transcribing some paul chambers bass lines you want to learn some great block chord voicings uh red garland uh, winton kelly you know those are the places to go i would i would highly suggest not using play alongs to use that i i don't think that's the best way again if there's something that comes up that you're like whoa that's really cool what that person played um on that play along i mean that doesn't mean you can't learn it but don't use it as a primary resource okay now the third and, and final situation when not to use a play along and there's going to be people that disagree me disagree with me on this is in a is in a live performance don't use a play along to perform a song and again I, i'm not trying to bash on anybody I, i've had people that have emailed me literally saying that they buy my play alongs um to to perform them and I understand why they're doing that. And that's why it's a little controversial. They don't really have anybody else to play to. And they're just trying to get out there and play in public and practice. And, you know, you know, maybe they're busking. They're just trying to make a little bit of extra cash. So it's it's not like it's a horrible, terrible sin that you should never, ever do it. I just think that in general, in general, you don't want to be performing a song uh, with a play along. You want to be playing with other musicians, other band members, or even by yourself, you know try to find other musicians to play with because that's ultimately what this music is about. Not just jazz, but any kind of music, right? You want that interaction and that spirit of, of creating music together. So I don't think that playlongs um, should be used as a crutch for performing. Again, there are scenarios in which I can understand why people would use them, but in general, I would say do not use them, okay? So again, just to recap those, don't use them to learn songs, don't use them to learn jazz language, and in general, don't use them to perform a song. Okay, that's a lot of negativity. Let me go to the positive now. The the three pros of play-alongs, when to use play-alongs, okay? So listen up here. Uh, and if you're already doing these, awesome. When you need someone to play with, but you just don't have anybody, okay? That is a lot of people that use uh, play-alongs is, I just don't have anyone to play with regularly, okay? You may live in a rural area, a more suburban area, not a city like I live in. And so there's less musicians, there's less opportunities to play. And sometimes, like, I get it, you, you you don't want to just play with a metronome all the time. Like, I mean, that's that's not fun. That's not musical either necessarily. So you want to play with someone who's going to accompany you so you can hear the harmony. You can hear all that stuff, a drummer. And that is a great situation to use a play along. So, so you can get some of that practice in, right? So it, 
for, for fun. And really, it comes down to having fun. If you want to use a play along to have fun to practice to shed over a song because you don't have someone to jam with, that's a fine opportunity to use a backing track, okay? So that's a good reason to use it. Now, second reason is to work on difficult passages, okay? To work on difficult passages. So you may want to work on the chord changes to all the things you are, but you can't find someone that actually wants to practice with you, right? I mean, this is this is really important here, right? Because like a lot of people just want to jam over it, like play that song, go on to the next one, or it's a gig, right? So it's not you're not practicing, it's performing time. Well, you might want to play uh, the blues in all 12 keys, or you might want to play um, all the things you are 10 times over, and you can't find somebody else who wants to actually sit down and do that with you. Well, that's a great opportunity to use a play along for someone to actually shed that with you um, because they're there. You just have to click the play button and repeat it, right? So that's a great reason. So if you want to really practice on difficult passages or, or, or songs where you can't get someone to actually practice with you, that's a great opportunity to use a play along. Okay, the third reason uh, or situation when to use a play along is after you've worked with a metronome or by yourself, right? And this goes back to not learning a song or learning jazz language with play alongs. You want to first work with that metronome, make sure that you got that inner time going, that you can play along with a metronome, or you can play it solo by yourself, right, so that you have that time internalized, and you've already kind of done that homework, you've already done that kind of side of things, and now you're going, okay, I want to hear some harmony, I want to practice along with a little bit more of a simulated musical environment, boom, play along time, right, that's totally cool. Okay, so again, the three pros, the three situations when to use is when you just need someone to play with, um, but there's not people around. You you don't have people, other musicians to play with. Number two, to work on difficult passages, have someone actually practice with you. Well, play along is a good resource for that. Number three is after you've done your homework with the metronome or playing the piece of music by yourself. Okay, those are all great reasons to use play alongs. So to sum up all of this. Use playalongs as tools, not a crutch. So I want you to just ask yourself really quickly, am I using playalongs as a tool to improve my jazz playing or my musicianship, or am I using it as a crutch? Like, do I need to have a playalong in order to play? Um, am I relying on that as being my sole source of practicing? If the answer to that is is yes, you might want to reconsider how you're using playalongs, right? You might want to reconsider that. Um, one of the reasons that I use playalongs uh, sometimes is when I've composed a piece of music. And for some time, for some reason, I compose difficult pieces of music, not not on purpose, just on accident. Um, and before I bring them into a rehearsal, sometimes I want to just really practice those uh, by myself hearing some harmony. So I'll you know, again, I was talking about the the resource that I use to is uh, Band in a Box. It's a great piece of software, and so what I'll do is I'll plug in those chord changes into the software, and I can speed it up, I can slow it down, I can even change the key on there, and it sounds like real musicians simulated, right? So I'm able to kind of like get the feel of it um, to a degree and practice those chord changes um, and just loop that over and over and over again, right? That's how I use playalongs um, usually, if ever. Um, and I don't use them super often. And it's okay if you do, but it's it that's a good opportunity, you know, to, pr- again, I think it really goes back to that practicing element. If you can't find someone who wants to practice the blues and all 12 keys with you, great. 
use a play along or use a great tool, a great piece of software like Band in a Box, which by the way, um, if you're interested in this program, I do suggest it because I do think that it is a valuable tool. Um, go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash band in a box. That's just all one word forward slash band in a box. Um, in full disclosure, we do we are a, a licensed dealer of band in a box. Um, so we do sell band in a box and give a lot of um, some bonuses as well for doing that through us. So if you're interested in that tool, I do highly recommend it. So go check out learnjazzstandards.com forward slash band in a box um, because it's a great opportunity to do stuff like that. Like if you wanted to practice a two five one. Um, but you can't find someone to practice two five ones for an hour or practice them in all 12 keys or whatever you want to do, you can just make that all happen in a program like Band in a Box. And so that's where using playalongs or playalong software as a tool is incredibly helpful. Okay. That's where it can be really a powerful tool. So uh, consider that as an option. Okay, again, overarching sum, playlongs are not bad, okay? So don't feel bad if you're using them. In fact, feel good if you're using them in the right ways. Just be uh, pay attention to some of those pitfalls, what playlongs can't do for you and how they could be programming you in a harmful way if they aren't supplemented with other kinds of practice, okay? We're good, we've cleared that up. All right, so go out there, use them as a tool, and uh, I think we're gonna, you're going to be all right. All right, that's all for today's show. I want to thank you so much for listening today. I really do appreciate it. I hope you got some value out of today's episode. And by the way, as I always ask, if you did get value out of today's episode, or maybe you got some, you've been getting value out of other episodes and you just haven't had the opportunity to do this yet, uh, go to iTunes or your favorite podcast listening service and leave a kind rating and review. Seriously, it really helps. It's just a really free, easy way to give back to this resource uh, that I come out with every single week. So thanks in advance for doing that. All right, next week we're going to be coming out with another episode of the Learn Jazz Standards Podcast, episode 114. I look forward to seeing you back then. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes, and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.